We had a whole series going through some of the spiritual gifts, and, and we're looking at some now, which are still gifts, uh, in Romans 12. And uh, last week we had the, uh, the gift of serving, and we talked about having a servant's heart, and that, first of all, Jesus was a servant to us. And um, I've got uh, scriptures up, um, and, uh, but the first piece, which I'm going to read from Romans 12, I'm just going to read it really slowly. I've deliberately not put it on the PowerPoint, uh, because I want you to, if you want, shut your eyes. If you don't want to, can you do it anyway? And um, just listen to God's word, because I really want to just read it and let it sink in, and then we'll go uh, from there, and then um, we'll see what we have to say about it. We're looking at the, the God's people of encouragement. We should be the most encouraging people uh, there are. But let me read this. So just, you know, relax and let God's word really soak into you. This is Romans 12, words of Paul. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, who are many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. The gift is prophesying. Let them use it in proportion to their faith. If it is serving... Let them serve. If it is teaching, let them teach. If it is encouraging, let them encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. So you can see we're ignoring some of them. We haven't ignored them, it's just we've covered them in the uh, 1 Corinthians passage, but we're picking up uh, from Paul's uh, writings in Romans, very theological book, Romans, and um, uh, loads of great truth in there, uh, but we're picking up on some of those gifts that are not mentioned elsewhere. So if you read uh, uh, Romans, you'll see where we're going uh, with that. So last week it was serving. This week is, it's called God's People of Encouragement. We've got the first slide up there, Dave, because... Thought it was quite funny. Look, hey, you can do that. Look, that's from a kid. See, and I, th- I put that up there because um, kids have a, tend to have a really positive attitude, and then we get to them and tell them they can't do stuff. Um, and there's just a few. A C.S. Lewis uh, quote. Uh, C.S. Lewis was the writer of all the Narnia books and a great Christian apologist of the last century. And he said, "Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny." And, and I have to say, my own journey is through hardship that you learn. Uh, a lot about God's goodness and grace. And then obviously 
uh, quoting Joshua uh, 1, be strong and courageous, do not be discouraged. You can meet people, I think, if it was in the Bible, I would say I've got the gift of discouragement, but it's a command of God to not be discouraged. We looked at this last November as elders, and we realised it's actually a command not to be discouraged. It's very easy to fall into the trap of of being discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What a great promise uh, that is. Um, At school, uh, I did all right at school. I didn't do brilliantly. Um, uh, But I did love outdoor pursuits. I think I've mentioned this before. Um, I used to go surf canoeing in North Devon. And the first time I went, we travelled, we, looking back, I don't know why they did this, but we got dropped off at the school at midnight um, so that we could arrive at six o'clock in the morning um, uh, in the school minibus, uh, which we seem to have been saving for for years, but people couldn't have given that much money because it was a rickety old thing, it was cold, and I, I couldn't sleep. So I had no sleep as a youngster, I was only about 14 or 15. And uh, we got to North Devon, and I was tired, and the wetsuits had fallen off the back of the minibus, so we spent five days surf canoeing in just our normal clothes, which is weird. And you think now, they wouldn't let you do it, would they? No health and safety in those days. But I remember my teacher, Mr. Fowles, um, and it was really loads of waves um, coming in, and I said, I can't do that. We've got no wetsuits, and, and, you know, it's no way. And you're only little, and the waves, when you're sitting in a canoe, they seem quite big. And my nickname that he called me, the teachers had this nickname for me. They had others, which I'm not going to mention, uh, but the one I'm allowed to mention was Smudger. He'd go, come on, Smudger, you can do that. Just keep it facing and you'll be fine. And of course, with that encouragement, uh, we did it. And then we went rock climbing in the Peak District and 100-foot cliffs, and we had to climb up them and abseil down. And, you know, I didn't like heights. I don't know why I went on this trip. Um, I don't even like flying. And, uh, but you, you climb up, and it's come on, Smudger, you can do it. And he was encouraging. And of course you did it. And I think the world, there's so much negativity in the world. So many people tell you can't do things. There's certain things you can't do. But you know, sometimes you're looking to do good and say, oh, we can't do that, we can't do this. And we tr- really try and banish that in the office. We say, no, what can we do? Um, a lot of time it's other people saying things are not possible. But verse 2 of that passage, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Part of that is recognising God for who he is. He can do, as we often say, immeasurably more than we ask for or imagine if only we had increased faith. It's not God's best uh, to discourage people um, unless they're you know, doing something really bad. But we are supposed to, as a people of God, to encourage one another daily. And we're going to look, at, quite obviously, at a man in the Bible called Barnabas. He wasn't always called Barnabas. And we're going to see, just dip into it a bit, and I'll have the scriptures up there, to see what the Bible says about him. So if I can have the second slide, uh, please, Dave. There you go. Acts 4, 32 to 36. Let me read this for you. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to everyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So this is when we first hear of Barnabas. Okay, and of course he's called Joseph. For the rest of the New Testament, you'll never hear him called anything except Barnabas. But his real name was Joseph. 
So there's an old story that I heard once about a preacher leaving a church. It was his, the end of his uh, tenure there, and it was time to go. And at his farewell dinner, he tried to encourage one of the founding members of the church that looked really, really sad. And he said to her, he said to her don't be so sad. The next preacher might be better than me. And she replied, that's what they said before you came, but it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> Not very encouraging, is it, for a poor preacher? Uh, the Duke of Wellington, he's a famous military leader, as you know, defeated Napoleon, was asked at the end of his life if he had any regrets. He said that if he had a regret, it was that he did, didn't give more praise to his men. Someone once said, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticise me, I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Praise me, I'll never forget you. Encouragement can do so much. Remember Charlotte spoke a month or so ago in an evening service and we were talking about all these gift prophesying and healing and miracles, all very exciting stuff and I loved that. Um, but she said, I love hearing that stuff but you know the people, that, um, the people I remember are not the, the prophets or the miracle workers or the healers or the preachers or anything like that. She said, it's the people who encouraged me. And I remember all the people who encouraged me. That's what she said, and it really stuck with me. She comes out with some good stuff, Charlotte. She'll get her up here more often. All this children's malarkey. Anyway, um, yeah, so praise me, I will not forget, forget you. There is something about praise and encouragement that although we may find hard to believe or accept, never leaves our hearts or minds. When someone's encouraged you, you tend to remember it. You tend to want to bump into them. You know your encouragers. And this morning, um, I'd want to say, to mix up the words, I want to encourage you to be an encourager because I think that's the calling for us as God's people, to be one of those people who encourage others in their faith, in their, in their life, to stand with them sometimes in the hard uh, uh, times as, uh, as well as the good. That passage I just read is the first time we hear of this man to be known as Barnabas. The church, uh, certainly in its context, was in its infancy. It was just really finding its feet. had a lot of questions. It uh, just got an, uh, a bit of a start in Jerusalem. Holy Spirit's being poured out, helping to change, equip and inspire people. The apostles are preaching and teaching every day and more and more believe that Jesus was their long-awaited Messiah and they were placing their faith in him and what he had done on the cross, which we remember later on. They were excited, they were passionate and they were on fire for God. They were giving, as we can uh, see in this passage, and sharing sacrificially. Some of them were selling their property so that everyone in the church would be provided for. But in th- verse 36, only one person is named. <laughs> and there's one man who's singled out of all those people for his generosity and encouragement of others. And look at his name. I don't know if you ever pick up on it. His name was actually Joseph. We always talk about Barnabas the encourager. It wasn't his name. His name was Joseph. But after this, you'll never hear him called anything else. It's like the apostles gave him a new name. It was so, such an encouragement they renamed him. I've had lots of nicknames in my life. Again, as many I can't repeat. Uh, my first one that I remember, my brother uh, called me Squint because I used to squint, so he called me Squint. He's not very imaginative. So I used to do this at the time, and I got nervous, I'll do that. So if you see me doing that, it's because you need to smile more, and I'll stop, I'll be less, less nervous. But I got over that. And then at school, it was Smudger, right? or Smithy, Smudger. Um, when I started the city, it was Smurf, because I was small. 
And, uh, when, um, and then uh, the, the fellas down the pub, just because I worked in a city, called me a yuppie. I can tell you at that point, I was driving a little 1.1, five-year-old popular plus fiesta. I wasn't exactly a yuppie, and I didn't have a file of facts. Uh, and then I got known, I'm known around the traps for obvious reasons, as the Rev. Over at the golf club, they call me the Rev, and they like it when I play because they say the sun always shines on the righteous, and I don't like to finish the first forum because it doesn't guarantee anything. Um, and they're, but, you know, they're nicknames, and the apostles give this Joseph a nickname. My nicknames didn't really mean anything. They've not changed my name. My name is still Ian. But Joseph, they've nicknamed him Barnabas, and it sticks. And names had a real meaning back in the days of Jesus. It was, they, they would give people names because it, it described their character. And so they give him this name Barnabas because he is the son of encouragement or an encourager. Imagine that. His character was so great about encouragement they actually changed his name to reflect it. His nickname became who he was. And as you look through the New Testament, you'll find that everywhere he went, Barnabas was an encourager. He was an encourager. Next slide, please, Dave. So we've got Acts 11, 22 to 24. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And this is when the gospel was being preached to the Gentiles. And they sent Barnabas. Right, all the apostles are there. All the apostles are there. They could have, well, any of them could have gone. They send a non-apostle. They send Barnabas. Right? Why did they send him? When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, what did he do? He was glad. And he encouraged them. He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. He was the encu- they sent the encourager. Right? Any of them could have gone, but they choose Barnabas. The church was expanding. It was starting to reach the Gentiles. When the church in Jerusalem heard about it, and all a bit confused and what's happening, it all gets explained, they sent an encourager. They sent the encourager, Barnabas. Everywhere Barnabas is, is present, you find encouragement going on. Even when the great apostle Paul, he had a bit of a falling out with John Mark. You've probably read that. We, we don't talk much about church conflict. We know it's around. And here, the gospel went in two separate directions. And we can see how God used that conflict for that to happen. Right? But when the apostle Paul was angry with John Mark and didn't want him to be part of the ministry team anymore, Barnabas chooses to stay and encourage John Mark. He could have gone the easy route, but he went to the one who was a bit of an outcast. You can't, don't think of John Mark as an outcast. So you've got Paul the apostle writing tons of the New Testament, and you've got John Mark who writes Mark, and they've had a row, and they, off they go. Right? So Acts 15, uh, if we can have the next slide, please. Acts 15, 36 to 40. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. So we've got Paul the Apostle saying, I don't trust, I don't trust this fellow. And Barnabas said, well, you know, come on. Let's, let's, no, 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 no. He's not coming with us. He goes, well, okay, I'm going to go with him then. He could have gone the easy route. Paul's asked Barnabas to go with him. Paul didn't want John Mark with them because he saw John Mark the worst. He saw him as a failure, not to be trusted. He deserted them earlier. He wouldn't follow through on his commitments. Barnabas sees a young man who needs a bit of encouragement, needs a bit of a helping hand and stand alongside him. How many times in my ministry have I needed that? And people, God has brought me people to do that. And I'm sure in your lives as well. And it would have been easier for them to walk away. You know, you get that question, how are you doing? 
And we have this on the door. And I've told a few of you this. And everyone, everyone, nearly all of you say fine. And I'll let you into a little secret. In the office, we say we know what fine means. It's fragile, insecure, neurotic and emotional. Because most of us are. <laughs> so we always need people to help us along on our journey. Barnabas sees a young man who needs encouragement. Obviously it worked. This young man that we call John Mark, he's the writer of the Gospel of Mark, as recorded by Mark, right? He's the writer. So can you imagine what would have happened had Barnabas not encouraged him? Right? This happened around 50 to 52 AD. The Gospel of Mark was written somewhere around AD 64, according to most scholars. So something happened in those 12 to 14 years that brings John Mark from a young man that Paul didn't trust, wasn't committed wasn't reliable, to one that writes boldly about the life and purpose of Jesus Christ, because someone encouraged him. We don't really know what happened, but we know Barnabas went with him. We know Barnabas was an encourager. We, knew, we know John Mark wasn't to be trusted, and yet then he writes a gospel. Incredible. The Greek word we translate encouraged from is parakalio, and the, 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 in its original form, it means to call to one side, to comfort, to console, to strengthen, just to encourage someone. I had a friend of mine uh, in the stock market, and years ago, uh, just before, after the Big Bang in 1986, we, we, we said, they said, you're going upstairs. I thought, oh. Um, and upstairs meant you're not on the floor of the stock exchange anymore. It took about two weeks for the floor of the market to shut. We all thought it was going to stay there, and it didn't. Everyone went upstairs to their trading rooms, which was really posh, because we had all these screens that we didn't know how to work, phones that didn't work properly. We had direct lines now. We didn't have to remember numbers. It was all very good. And, of course... You know, you had to advertise your prices instead of a, on, the, on the stock market floor with a whiteboard, you know, it was all electronic. You could see what all the other people were doing, which before you couldn't. And um, it was one day uh, coming up to Christmas, and we were what called long of stock, meant we owned shares, because market makers or jobbers, you could sell shares you didn't have. You was allowed to borrow shares that you didn't have, so if you thought the price was coming down. But we were long, because we thought the market was going up. The firm, not me, the whole firm was generally long. Quite a lot of money, long, and the market's going up. Right, my mate, Leggy, we'll call him, because that's his nickname, and um, he, uh, he, his uh, machine broke. So he went to the tech guy, and the tech guy had the, he had the machine, the one that controls everything. We all had our own ones on our desk. And the guy said, you've got, you've got to reboot, you've got to reboot your, your, your computer. And I know we all know now, control, alt, delete, but we didn't know what we were doing. He said, well, how do I do that? He said, well, see that button there, control, and that one there, alt, and that one there, delete. He said, yeah, he goes, press them. So Leggy just did as he told. But, of course, the man meant for him to go back to his machine and do it, not the master one. So Leggy, right, he does Control-Alt-Delete, and it shuts down the whole firm. And then it wouldn't reboot. So we're long of stock. The market's going up. We can't sell it because we can't advertise on the screens. Poor Leggy is banished to 24th floor. I'm not joking. We were all on 23rd floor. He had to go and on the international desk after that, and he was banished. And uh, the head of trains said, I never want to see his face again. And it was awful. So, uh, that night was our Christmas party. Went to a pub in uh, Fenchurch Street. Went to a pub in Fenchurch Street. And, I mean, he had been screamed at in the dining room. And uh, he's very embarrassed. And when I got down there, I got gone to the pub, and it's a big pub, and everyone's standing there, and Leggy's on his own at the end. And none of these so-called friends would stand with him. So I went in, I said, what's up? With, what's the, oh, you heard what happened? I said, yeah, why, why, why? No, 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 you know, Patastic's really upset with him. And, not going to start. I said, that's ridiculous. And I'm not trying to say it from my point of view. He's just a good mate. We were going to McDonald's together, which is the only lunch we could afford in those days. Um, so I bought my pint. I bought another pint. And I walked over. And I stood with him. And gradually, people came over. I didn't really... It wasn't... Looking back, it wasn't... 
a really a big conscious thing. I just did. You know, that was 33 years ago. He was an usher at my wedding. He's still one of my best friends now, and he's never forgot it. You know, and it was a small act uh, of just encouragement. I would like to think, if that, if that was me, that he would do the same. I'm pretty sure he would. To come, to come to someone's side, to comfort, to console, to strengthen. When we encourage each other, we walk beside someone, which means to share in their life, uh, supporting and encouraging, to do what we can to strengthen them instead of uh, tearing them down. Where else is Barnabas encouraging? If we can add the fifth slide, please. We're on Acts 9, 26 to 27. We're jumping back a little bit. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is, this is Saul stroke Paul, okay? So we've already got, uh, we've t- spoken about Paul already. This is now, he's had this Damascus Road experience. He wants, he's full of it. He wants to come and see the apostles. So when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But look at that. But Barnabas took him. Barnabas has got alongside him and encouraged him. Probably got hold of his hand and said, look, come on, let's go and sort this out. He brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Paul, at this point, was still going by the name of Saul, another person whose name got changed. He had an encounter on the road to Damascus. He's answered God's call. Everything's rosy. He wants to preach and teach uh, about Jesus but the apostles say, we don't really trust him. And he needs someone to come alongside. He wasn't known everywhere. People were afraid. They didn't trust him. Maybe he's trying to trick them. He was helping round up the Christians not so long ago for them to be killed. Look again. Barnabas speaks up. Barnabas takes Paul to the apostles, stands up for him, tells them of Paul's conversion, and how he personally had heard Paul preach the gospel of Jesus. Think again. So we might not have had Mark's gospel already. Think again. What if Barnabas hadn't encouraged Paul to go and see the apostles? What if he hadn't took him by the hand and said, come on, effectively, let's go and sort this out. I'm going to vouch for you. Maybe Paul wouldn't have gone. Maybe he would have felt rejected. But Barnabas, the encourager, steps in. And we get a huge chunk of the New Testament uh, given to Paul to write for us to this day. Incredible. Uh, Slide six. Encourage one another. It's a simple message, really, uh, this morning. Let's be a people of encouragement. We should be. Um, it should be part of our DNA. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough enough world out there. There are battles that go on, spiritual, emotional, um, there's attacks on the church and its beliefs. We need to come together to encourage one another. This should be a brilliant place to keep, be refilled, re-encouraged, re-envisioned and re-sent out into the world. There's persecution around. Um, you know, we have the Open Doors ministry that we, we look at. We've got uh, the Persecuted Church Sunday coming up in November. Have a look. Pray for them. Encourage them. Christian concerns are a great thing to get on your, on your phones and see what's going on, all the court cases that are happening and the, and the persecution that comes the Christian's way. Think about this week, the words that you say to people. Think about, are they positive? I mean, I know sometimes you have to challenge people, but I, I do hear and see sometimes quite rude, rude things happening. It can be in the church as well, as well as outside. And the way people have spoken, I think, oh, they, I wish they knew what I know is going on in that person's life so they would understand why they've reacted the way they did. But you can't go around telling everybody. But you never know what's going on in someone's life. Build them up. Think about your words. Think about what you put on social media. I mean, I don't think it's so bad among adults. And I'm not trying to... I wish the young people in here now 
Uh, we're going to do some social media stuff early in the new year. But I wish they recognised sometimes, you know, some of the youngsters come and see me or some of our youth leaders in tears because some of the things, and when they show me, you can't believe it. You can't believe the things that other kids will write. You know, someone says one thing, there's a hundred name-calling things on this poor person. Some of them she won't even know, or he won't even know. It's awful. And then we wonder why they're damaging themselves and searching for other things. So I wish they were in here, because I would say, you know, you can build people up on social media. It can be a good thing, but you can tear them down as well. In church. You know, build each other up in church. This is the safe place. This shouldn't be the place where you get discouraged. You might be challenged. I might get challenged. I don't know, no one minds constructive criticism. You may not like it, but it's there for our benefit. But the, the constantly pulling people down, we've got to get rid of that. Be positive. Um, send an email to someone, whether it's the team or congregation or whatever. You know, be positive. Encourage them. They'll remember it. Uh, there's a gift of encouragement listed in the Bible. Nowhere is the gift of discouragement. Yet you can go outside and sometimes inside and see people who have that gift. And in society, when we're going to the work or the playground or, or home, you know, we can be that positive influence. It's basically building each other up rather than tearing each other down because we're Christians. It's part of our DNA. And we want to take that spirit, if you like, of Barnabas, the son of encouragement. I have my encouragers. I don't know how to get through my life without some encouragement. People, there are people I seek uh, that I know are encouragers. Um, and there are times in life you need them. You need them to stand with you. And you need to, need to recognise them for who they are and you need to recognise they're God sent. And, and equally, there's some people I just try and steer away from because they often don't have uh, a good word uh, to say. If we can have slide seven, so I should have had that up. What's that? Oh, yeah, look, that's going on, isn't it, at the moment? World Athletics. Anyone watching that? Yeah, great. No one's watching it there, though, are they? <laughs> a bit of a hoo ha about that. Look, there's no one in the seats. There's no one in the seats. You know, and the athletes are saying, that the atmosphere is not there. They don't feel encouraged. They're not spurred on as much as maybe they would be. In football, we won't talk about it too much, uh, what happened yesterday. Um, in football, often it's, the crowd are called the 12th man. You know, you have 11, uh, 11 uh, uh, people in, in a team, um, and the 12th man is often the crowd. It used to frustrate me when I got, went to West Ham, and the crowd wouldn't get behind the team. They'd be berate, I think, what? What are we doing? We should be supporting them. Okay, and when you support, what are you doing? You're singing, you're clapping, all the things we do in church. Uh, you're allowed to show emotion at football. People don't like it so much in church. Um, and obviously the support West Ham wasn't too good yesterday because we lost, as you know. Um, but the 12th man in football is called the crowd, right? There's, there's no one there cheering them. They're doing their best. They're running around the, tr- the, the track, uh, but there's no one there cheering. If we could have the next slide, please. Contrast that, bottom left, to the 2012 Olympics. Packed out, really difficult to get tickets, oversubscribed. I don't know if you went, I didn't. We went on holiday because I was working in Canary Wharf and we were told we wouldn't be able to get on a tube train, which turned out to be false. Um, but um, look, packed. And uh, when we was in America, when that was going on, you could hear the noise. You, could, you thought, I wish we were there. It was incredible. And look at these verses. What we need to recognise is that when we go about being the people of God, in Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance to race marked out for us. Look at the difference. We don't want to be at the Doha Olympic Games not cheering on our side and not supporting them. 
We want to be like the 2012 Olympics, supporting one another, recognising that as you go about your life doing that, there's a, there's a crowd of witnesses in heaven saying, come on, you can do it, come on in, keep doing it. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Look at him go. I mean, sometimes they're going to say, look, he's lost. Pathetic. But, you know, I don't get it right all the time, but you can put your name in there. You know, come on, you're doing it. You're persevering, you're in the week. In the week, you're the church scattered. Carry on doing what you're doing. And then finally, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let's encourage one another. It should be a daily thing. Now, I could have got the whole sermon done in five seconds. I was saying to Christine at the end and said, all I really want to say is to be encouragers. Amen. Um, but I felt I should go for longer. And we're going to approach communion now. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, and then we're going to sing a song, I think. And um, I just yeah, pray, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would make us the positive people, the encouragers, um, the people that other people want to bump into, not the people that other people might want to cross the road. Um, let's be the encouragers. Um, we won't get renamed, but God does change our character to become more like him, and he is the great encourager. So, Father, we ask you, send your spirit to us and help us in that. Forgive us, and myself as well, where we've been discouragers, where maybe our words have stung, and we've known they've stung. Pray, Lord, that uh, you'll change us into more your likeness as we become encouragers. I pray that when people walk into these walls, they know it's a safe place, somewhere where they'll be built up, not torn down. We thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us on our own to do this. We ask your spirit to change us from within. Give us that gift of encouragement in Jesus' name. Amen.